Hey friends, Pastor Brandon here, and we are so excited that you logged on to stream our sermon content here at Community Covenant Church. We pray that it is uh, helpful, enjoyable, and that will help you grow into all that God has created you to be. We have other ways that we help you grow here. And first, that is through our gatherings on the weekend. Um, and it's also in groups as we gather together as the church uh, beyond the weekend. Um, and we are applying this sermon content and the gospel to our lives. And and then lastly, through mission opportunities, both serving inside and outside the local uh, church. And so what we pray is that this sermon content uh, is in no way replacing a meaningful relationship between you and a local church, whether that's our church or another one in our area. Uh, we just would pray that this is supplemental to you and not a replacement of a meaningful engagement with a local church. And so just praying uh, for you as you continue to grow and pray that God continues to uh, help you connect to a group of people that love you and know you. Blessings. Matthew chapter 20, we're going to be going through. Over the last hundred years, um, the church has been proclaiming the good news of the gospel in one of, one of two ways. Um, they have two completely different uh, mentalities. One is this understanding that Jesus saves, and the other one is this understanding that Jesus serves. One is this understanding that Jesus uh, saves, that there's an entire reality that, that God is working in the midst of people, bringing them closer to him. It's this very personal interaction. Um, and, and really, we, we find ourselves uh, constantly pursuing, constantly evangelizing, constantly pursuing uh, those folks. And then we always see, and then we also see an entire group of people um, where, where they just are demonstrators. Jesus serves always. And there's a little graph up there, uh, Chris, if you can, um, everyone loves a good graph on a Sunday morning, don't they? Come on, that's like the teacher's dream. Um, there should be two little squares, Jesus saves, Jesus serves. Um, yeah, uh, well, look in the uh, folder. <laughs> Maybe I shut the computer too fast or something. Um, anyway, well, I'm going to talk to you about them because that's, what's, that's what happens in these moments. Um, you, have this, you have this entire camp, Jesus saves where the, the, the whole question for them is, the, it, the whole question that kind of guides them is, if you were to die today, where would you go? Have you, have you had that question or thought about that question before, right? If you died today, where would you go? And it's really about, theologically, it's about eschatology. It's about the end of the world. It's about where you go when you die. Um, it's about what you do after you die. And, and, and really, your whole faith is kind of wrapped up around that. They use the scripture, Matthew 28, uh, where, where it talks about, where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. And it's about evangelism, kind of the, the idea we've we got to tell people the truth about the reality of their life, that if we don't clearly present the gospel to them, um, the, the idea for them to go to uh, hell when they die is very real and very, uh, and very, uh, very uh, alarming. And, and so the, there's this whole camp around that entire thing where evangelism really engages them. Then there's another camp. It's what I call the Jesus serves camp. And, and for them, the question isn't so much about what do you do, what are you going to do when you die, or where are you going to go when you die, but really about the question, the question is, there you go, the question is, if you had purpose today, what would you do? If you had purpose today, what would you do? And for them, it's the, this whole understanding that, that, there's, that, that, that there's something to show that there's something to kind of put on display, like the gospel in, in and through our lives. Like they, they often use the phrase, if preach the gospel when necessary, use words. Now that, that would alarm the Jesus saves camp because they're like, no, 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 that's all we got. Romans 10 says we gotta preach, we gotta say, and we gotta, we gotta, we gotta present the gospel to people. And so this Jesus serves us all about grace and really showing Grace. There's really two names for Jesus all throughout the Bible. One is uh, Yahweh, and the other one is Emmanuel. Yahweh is this, uh, or it, yeah, Jesus, the, the, the name that saves. It's this presentation, a whole concept. And the other one is Emmanuel, is God with us. It's like, man, there's nothing better that we can do than to be with people in their brokenness and in their so- struggle and in their sin. And you have these moments where, where, where you, you see these two play out. For, for the Jesus serves camp, it's all about Matthew 25, where, where Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says to his disciples, if you feed me, if you clothe me, you're do, if you do it unto the least of these, you're doing it to me. And, and for the last hundred years, really, like this, it's been one of these two things. You're either a proclaimer or you are a demonstrator, and there are entire denominations that, were, that are kind of formed and founded based off one of those two things. You have churches that are saying, this, you know, we're all evangelism, that's it, that's what the church's role is. And then you have other churches who are like, oh, man, if we can just show people until the day we die, then, then the gospel is gaining ground. And in fact, it's so, it's so, it becomes so ingrained in these churches um, that they begin to believe deep down in their bones that they have the right way to do it. Now, that's all that Jesus needs, right? Like, oh, you have the right way. I didn't know. That's nice. Like, I don't know, it's kind of like the condescending Wonka, right? It's a meme that's like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize that you kind of figured out my, wor- my ways and my works. And I didn't realize that you knew how I operated in the mission on earth. See, see here's, the, here's the thing. is that Often churches get caught up in one of these two camps, and they often debate much of the time. But you know what? Jesus talks way more about saving and much more about serving. You know the, the word that he uses more than anything? Loving. Loving. He says it's, it's all about loving. This is where John 3, the classic verse, comes into play. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Now wrapped up in this one kind of core passage, man, even if you didn't grow up at church at all, you probably read this on a pillow somewhere, right? And John 3 wrapped up into the words of John 3 is not just proclaiming and it's not just demonstrating 
but it's loving. But it's loving. See, what you have is a, is a story about a God that gives. And you have a story about a God that doesn't condemn. And you have a story about a God, though, that saves. And it's through his death and resurrection that we find salvation because we can't get us out of the mess that we're in. And if you've been in a mess in your life at all, you know what I mean. So you have a story about a God, an invitation by a God who loves the world, and in his love he gives, and in his love he saves. In his love he doesn't condemn, but in his love he tells the truth. In his love he shows massive amounts of grace, and if you, if you grow into his love, the more and more and more you realize how much you actually need that grace. And the more and more you grow in his love, the more and more you seek out his truth. Because the tension between grace and truth is love. Is love. And so if we're going to be an only God church, a church that only God can get the credit for, if we're going to continue to be that and live that out of our DNA, we have to be a church that, that is a community that, of proclaimers and demonstrators. We have to be a, a group of people that proclaims the love of God and demonstrates the love of God. See, there's so many, there's so many camps to this understanding. Like, well, well, we can't demonstrate unless we call for salvation. But you know, that's, you know something about that way of evangelism because you know that you don't like bait and hook salesmen showing up to your door, Right? Then there are some people that say, man, well, evangelism, this is like the platform for. But again, it just feels disingenuous. But I think there's a good and healthy relationship between proclaiming and demonstrating. You can't just demonstrate without showing credibility um, and, and, ha- and actually presenting the gospel. And you can't just uh, proclaim without actually showing that there's some credibility to what you're saying. There's this healthy relationship. And, and John Stott um, is an old preacher, a theologian. He says this, the gospel lacks visibility if we merely preach it. And it lacks credibility if we preach it with no concern about the welfare of people's bodies, situations, and communities. Yet the reason for our acceptance of social responsibility is not primarily to give gospel visibility or credibility. It would otherwise lack but simple, uncomplicated compassion. Don't you love that phrase? Like, isn't life just about trying to get to the idea where you can show simple and uncomplicated, uncomplicated compassion? Like, like, what if we were a church that just understood that, the simplicity of just showing compassion to people? Like, what if that, like, oozed off every ounce of your words, every, uh, just oozed off every, like, position you held, off every uh, news channel you watched? What if this idea of uncomplicated compassion is really what became the core reality of a follower of Jesus? He He says, love has no need to justify itself. It merely expresses itself in service wherever it sees need. See, see it's kind of like this idea where, where you see people, okay, I, I got this homesick like, like business that I can't shake. Like I feel like I, I just feel like nothing's settled. And you can talk to someone about, about a good father that loves them and cares for them and is welcome them, welcoming them into his family. But man, 
that just simply doesn't work when, when there's a kid that just doesn't know where he's getting his next meal. And you have this, you have this combination. And for, for too long, churches are like, oh man, it's all about proclaiming. Oh, it's all about demonstrating. And I don't think that that's a, that, that is a polarity that the church should be about because whether the gospel is proclaimed or demonstrating, the idea is that the love of God is being shown. Are we tracking this morning? And so what we want to do is just ask this simple question. What does it mean to love? What does it mean if an only God church is a community of proclaimers and demonstrators? What does it mean? How do we show the love of God to people? Because you've got two options. I can demonstrate and I can proclaim. I can demonstrate the love of God and I can proclaim the love of God. And the Bible does both. It's a really awesome growth tool for you to say, which one do I like more? Which one do I like more? Versus which one do I just do naturally? Do I demonstrate naturally? Or do I proclaim naturally? And how might my world change or how much glory could I give to God if I were to just try the other? What would it look like for us to simply just try the other? But the question is today, how how do we love like Jesus? Because if Jesus was the, the embodiment of the love of God, showing up into today's world, I mean, there's so many massive implications about a God that would come down from his world to us. I mean, all throughout the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2, you see a God that comes down and creates the world. In John chapter 1, you see a God that comes down because sin is not the last word. Death is not the last word to him. He wants to show you that he's for you, loves you, and is calling you towards him. And he's constantly moving towards you to the point where even though it's kind of broken right now, and the end of the world, he's going to come down again and show up and make residence here on this world, in this earth. And so you see a God all throughout the Bible that the trajectory of our God is constantly moving towards you. He's constantly trying to get you, trying to, get, trying to be for you and show you that he's not far off. If we were to simply embody this, this movement, this trajectory to go towards people, it's going to just take lots and lots of love for all people. And so that's where Matthew 20 comes into play. There's this really awesome uh, passage where, where Jesus is with his followers, and this is what uh, he says, Matthew 20, verse 20. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, uh, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request, he asked. She replied, in your, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in the places of honor next to you, uh, next to you one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? I love this. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They replied, certainly, we're able. Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My Father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. Which, to let you in on the secret, it was him. It was him. God has prepared a place for him to be there. He says, that's not up for us. 
when the ten other disciples heard that James and jo- what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so just a few things real fast. If you want to love like Jesus, number one, you've got to ask the Jesus question. You've got to ask the Jesus question. What's the Jesus question, Brandon? Good thing you asked that question. Um, the Jesus question in verse 20 and in verse 32, what does Jesus ask these people? Like Jesus knows what this woman's about to ask her. He knows. Like can't you tell when someone like kneels down, or I don't know, people don't kneel down in front of people anymore, right? That's, I mean, that would be awkward. And that'd be a, like a red flag immediately. But you can tell when, when someone's presenting to you a question that you know the answer to, or they know the answer to, or there's, there's like something to it. Does it just like feel sticky, right? Do we know, those, do we know these moments? Okay. So Jesus knows. And besides the fact that he's the creator of the universe, so he knows anyway, he, like you can just tell in these relationships. And what does he ask her? He goes, hey, what can I do for you? What is your request? In verse 32, later on in the chapter, he says, what do you want me to do for you? Think about the creator of the universe coming down to people who he knows are broken. And he says, hey, what, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? The posture of Jesus. If there's anybody who can afford to not have that posture and nobody would look at him differently, It would be Jesus. But his simple statement, when presented with an issue or presented with a question or presented with a request is, hey, what can I do for you? How might our world just completely change if a follower of Jesus wasn't so much concerned about the rights that they had but were more concerned about the right question ask how might our world change if if you showed up into a situation and said hey what can i do to help what can i do to help you right now you can stay uh, an hour and a half later after work and man that would help me so much uh i hashtag i'm out no way or or you can do three four whatever they can what is it that I can do for you? See, the Jesus question, wrapped up into the Jesus question, is this, 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 uh, this, this literally this worldview that you aren't the center of the story. Wrapped up into this Jesus question is that this whole thing is not about you. That there's more to life than what we see. Wrapped up into this Jesus question, like, what can I do for you is this is this reversal of energy that like instead of me consuming my resources and consuming what's going on around me and consuming all that i can be and all that i can have it's about contributing into the world that god has me in every breath right is an in and an out it's an in and it's an out Sometimes we need much more exhaling than we need inhaling. 
Man, that'll preach, right? Question number one is, statement number one, ask the Jesus question. Verse, what, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? What I love about this also is that Jesus is asking this question just knowing that there's like probably a crazy response. In those moments where you can just tell like that you might feel like you're getting taken advantage of, is it still, what can I do for you? Is it still, how can I help? Again, serving is this ability to draw a boundary around yourself where you aren't taking advantage of and you aren't a doormat, but you're willing and able to offer your gifts, your resources, your time, your money, you, into the world around you in a way that's actually contributing. You're not the doormat. You're not this like, oh yeah, let me do it. Let me take care of it for you. And now I'm working 14 hours a day and my family doesn't see me. But it is a will, way to interact with the people around you that can change things. And you'll get to that in a second. And so the, the, what, the, what if you just started off in loving people, the first question you do is, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? And we're all pretty terrible at this, right? Like, I'm not preaching to you like I got this figured out. <laughs> this is me. I'm like preaching this to myself as I'm preparing this one. What can I do to help? Love like Jesus. Ask the Jesus question. Number two, in order to love like Jesus, go ahead and put the next one up. Have the right posture in verse 22. Have the right posture. This is what it says. But Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Oh yeah, they replied. We're able. And Jesus told them, you will. You will, but the Father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. What wrapped up into this story is a profound sense of humility about the way you live life. Like, I feel like that's what Jesus is trying to tease out when he's asking the question. He's trying to tease out this, like, like when you are pursuing all of this, why are you pursuing this service. Like when you're doing something in the world, when you are engaging in the mission, you have a purpose, what is the point? And he's trying to tease out, like if, if the point is to be noticed by God, you are literally going to burn out and get tired. And the funny thing is about that is, is God's like, you don't need to do that because you got my attention. You got my notoriety. Like I notice you, I see you. And so you don't need to serve. You don't need to give donuts out. You don't need to, you know, greet at the door, go to the food pantry in the week. You don't need to do that stuff to get my attention. You need to do that because it's an overflow of your heart. A simple understanding is where is that pursuing? Where is your heart going in that? And so the right posture, I think, when you love like Jesus, is never to pursue the notoriety of God, but it's simply a profound humility that I'm not getting the credit for what I did, and I'm not getting the credit for what I didn't do. How many know, how many, how many know that there's a difference between those two things? Right? There's a difference. Like People say, oh, I, I, I did this, right? And there's this pride to that. There's also a pride to what I don't do. Oh, I, I'm not like that. I'm not like that. 
Again, a profound sense of humility. Uh, what C.S. Lewis will say is, is that it's not about thinking of yourself. It's about thinking of yourself less. Just constantly giving over the credit to who God is. That he is the source of life. That he gives you gifts. Like we always say that, right? We always, we, again, we put it on the pillows. Life's a gift. And we treat it like an just straight entitlement, don't we? From money to time to all the things that we use in life. But if we were to truly treat each every single day in each and every ability, each and every resource, like we were unwrapping a precious gift from God, we would have a profound sense of humility. And we would able to see we would be able to see God at work everywhere. So we have to have the right posture. Uh, one of the biggest things about posture and humility is this thing that says, I need help. I need help. And so for us as a church, as we become an only God church that, that, uh, that only he will get the credit for, and we continue in that posture in the way that we live, we want to help you do some of those things as well. And that's simply having the right posture is, okay, I need to figure out how to do this, right? Because we're, like, we're all just sinful people, and God needs to change us. And so there's actually a team of people right now working on our mission area. And they, they came up with a few things um, that, that I thought would be really awesome uh, resources for you. But they said, if we want to be an only God church, God only get, like, a church that only God can get the credit for, we really need to, number one, we need to figure out our spiritual gifts. And what that means is that you are uniquely wired to participate in God's mission on earth. Like you have a specific imprint on this entire thing. And if you're not serving at all or not contributing at all, you're literally not pursuing what God said uh, it, you, like your purpose is in the world. And so you need to figure out what unique contribution you have, whether that's to the church or outside the church. We need to figure out what our unique contribution is to this entire thing. So we need to find our spiritual gift. But many of us, we might have an understanding of, of what that is like our unique ability, personality, all of these things, we might know where that is and we need to find a place to plug it in. And so it could be finding a spiritual gift that we can help you with, but then the next thing we want to help you with is finding a place to serve. Whether that, again, that's inside the church or outside the church. Whether that's inside or outside. We know that we're creating environments. It literally, right now, there's about 45 people creating this entire environment to take place, whether that is in this room, in the lobby, downstairs with our kids, in the beginnings area, there's about 40 people that, that really are pursuing Christ through service and helping create environments where life change can take place. Like that's their imprint on the world. Like I want to see Jesus change a life, and so I'm going to help create the environment, whether that's production upstairs, it's the band here, it's the, the, the small group leaders downstairs, it's someone putting out the donuts. Can we get a shout out for the people that put the donuts out, right? Come on. Right, we love the donuts. We love the donuts. Because America runs on Duncan, right? And... Uh, because we want to participate. This is what the uh, volunteers do, and they want to participate in creating an environment where only God can get the credit. And Jesus can change lives. And so we need to help you find a place to plug in. But then lastly, some of you, it's not just about plugging into a place, it's actually about creating a place. And I think this is what's unique to Community Covenant, is that over the last 10 years, we've literally launched six uh, life, world-changing 
organizations, believe it or not. People that are literally creating something from nothing in order to see things take place in a world that hadn't been taken, that hadn't been taken place. One, one of them was a complete training, teachers training organization, where a uh, training teachers organization down in Haiti, they were training teachers um, to become better teachers so that their schools could get better. And that got so big, we literally had to spin it off into its own nonprofit. There, there's, there is an entire uh, uh, economic shift taking place in Haiti right now because of a group of people that have gone down there in order to engage with farmers. And there are just this, thousands of trees, uh, lime trees are being planted there. there. There's a group of people that, that are, that, like, they're, they're uh, uh, Richard's here today, that are planting a church and building out a church in Africa. Because there's something in them that says, I got to do something here. I got to do something. There's, there's literally an entire, uh, there's, there's a, literally an entire chaplaincy program happening in the women's ACI right now because there's a woman that says, I need to do something. I need to contribute to the world. And so we have tons of people inside and outside the church that are saying, I have to birth an organization. I have to birth something that doesn't happen yet. And for you, there might be something in your heart that says, man, I, I got to do something. And I think if we become an only God church, we can look back at things like that and be like, holy cow, how did that ever come out of a place like this? This tiny little church in Rehoboth, Massachusetts. And if there's something in your heart, we want to help birth that. And so over the next few years, we, we're going contrib- to find those types of things, those con- contributions, and help, we want to help build those things. We don't have it all figured out yet, but we just know that there's a unique DNA here at Community Covenant where people just have vision. And we have other people that can help build that vision. And so we want to help you find the right spiritual gift, find your spiritual gift, find a place to serve, or build an organization that doesn't exist yet, ultimately so we can see things take place. For, for us as a church, we have two anchor causes, meaning like two organizational things that we do. One, that's pray for one. We pray for one every single day. I hope you're still praying for one. We talked about it. It wasn't just a sermon series. I hope it's something that makes it a part of your prayer life. God, give me one person to share your love with. God, give me one person to share your love with today, and then we invite them into a church that loves them. We also have this thing called the Southern New England Leadership Network where we, we train uh, pastors and leaders and moms and dads and everyone from soccer coaches all the way up to CEOs um, to be the best leader that they can be. And we've literally trained over, I think it was like 12, uh, about 1,500 leaders in this site alone, and we've had other sites uh, throughout the years in our region. Literally over 1,000 people have, have been engaged in that uh, uh, leadership development over the last 10 10 years, we've actually hosted it for 17 years, hosted that summit. Because we believe for our region, it's so important that we have the best leaders in the world. When you got speakers of the house going to jail, we think it's probably about time that we get better at leadership. And so what we want to do is, is continue to build it. Those are our two main anchor causes. We did have um, the Hope Center that was working over the last uh, year or so. Um, we sent a letter out a, a number of weeks back 
saying that we have had to close that um, just due to a relationship with our food supplier. It's, it's kind of a, a long, detailed story. We'd love to answer any questions that you have on that. But that's unfortunate. We had to close that down. We're looking for uh, a, a way to engage uh, the community in another way like that. But for now, we're focusing on those two and seeing how we can't find uh, God in some other areas. But ultimately, all that we're saying is we've got these two organizations that we help build. And then we have tons of partner organizations as well. Tons. Where we helped Bags of Hope this last year. And we raised, over the last 18 months, we raised like literally $13,000 for them. That gave over 400 foster kids a bag to put their belongings in because they don't have one. And we thought, man, that's such an awesome thing get involved in. We, we've, we, we're continuing to help, again, in, in an international sense, where we, we want to build into Haiti, into uh, Liberia as the opportunities come forward. Like, we're just seeing those uh, so, sorts of things. So we were able to give 200 coats out last year because we were able to do a, a, a drive for co- warm coats. And so 100 coats went to Pawtucket, 100 coats went to Central Falls, and literally kids that didn't, couldn't zip up a warm coat put it on. Because those are the things that God wants to do in the midst of a church. And so if a church has the right posture, where it's not, oh gosh, it's not about the opportunity you get, but it's about the person you get to serve. It's a profound sense of humility. And I think we'll get there. And so we want to love like Jesus, meaning we want to ask the Jesus question, what can we do to help? And what we're going to do over the next three years is just simply ask that question. We're going to show up to places, what can we do to help? And that might not, we might not have it all figured out. We might not have the plan all figured out, but we're just going to ask the question, what can we do to help? And what we're going to do is, is have the right posture. Just, God, give us a profound humility to give the gifts you've given us to share with them. And God, give us one person to share your love with today. But lastly, we're just going to serve. We're just going to care for people and places. This is what verse 26 says. Um, verse 26 says, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. This will change. If you are looking for that promotion at work, be a good follower of Jesus and live out the way he says. Not for the promotion, but you'll get the promotion. You, you, you know, it, it should be your goal in life for your boss to say to you, man, I don't want to be a Christian, but I'll hire 10 more of you. Because you live out this idea that you're not a person that just fights for your rights, but you're a person that pours in to serve. Do you know how easy it is to burn down a barn? Do you know how easy it is to build one? How hard it is to build one? We need to become a culture. Man, if you've watched the news at all over the last week, you, need, you, you, would, you know this to be true. We need to be a culture that stops burning barns down and starts building them. We need to be a culture that says, what can we do to help? What can we do to help? And if the Christians get it, there's history, tons of history, that says we see entire regions changed. Because a follower of Jesus showed up and said, what can I do to help? I have a profound sense of humility in my life, this gift that God has given me, and I just simply want to breathe out and help people proclaim or help people demonstrate. I want to care for people 
and places, whether that's the one person you lock eyes with today or it's the organization that you work with, it's the organization that you serve in, whatever the case is, have a profound sense of care. The image that I get all the time is this. This is just like a, a good mom that takes a, a washcloth, washing off like a little cut on their kid's knee. It's just the image. If you think about someone caring, right? Man, I just got to wash off this little cut. I got to care for these little people in a way that, that helps. It, it's this understanding in the, not a condescending manner or, or, or anything like that, but simply a, a, just an exuding compassion that says, man, if we could just get you to see this awareness of God, to see you do something in your midst, in your context, to change a life. And you just got to care for people and care for places. Whether you're at school, if it's a school thing, man, I'm, I'm there and I'm going to care for this place. Because it's so easy for all of us as humans to, to, to descend into cynicism instead of ascending into service. And I think for us as a culture, man, we could totally change this world if we simply ask the question, what can we do to help you? What can we do to help? James 2 would close it out this way. He says this, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is de- it is, unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. So, are you a proclaimer or are you a demonstrator? How about we be a community of people that show the love of God. Let's see where that gets us over this next season. Amen?